It's Wednesday night, and we're in a study on a little everything, especially on the will of God and predestination. I did a paper sometime back, and the title of it was Everything That Is Happening Is the Will of God. If believers can get that in their head, that will make your life tolerable a lot easier. But we seem to be operating out of these physical bodies, and that's the outer man, and we want to worry. When you worry, that's unbelief. Uh, You get stressed out. I get to thinking about our worrying here that we can't make a car paint, but I wonder how that compares with some uh, Buddhists living in a mud hut in India, and they've lived there all their life, and they go out and work in a in a uh, field of rice and tread in that field of rice up to their uh, knees and they've got to worry about snakes and cobras and and lions and and they don't have enough to eat i wonder how our worries will compare with theirs it's not much to say everything that's going on is the will of god everything the good the evil, whatever you can think of in your life that bothers you, that's the will of God. The thing of everything that I can teach on is the will of God. Everything. I teach about prayer. That's the will of God. Prayer is the will of God, but prayer don't mean to ask God for His will in your life. Prayer is... Prayer is you bowing to the will of God that he's doing whether you bow to it or not. Everything that's going on is his will. Just because you sit around fretting over it don't mean he's going to change. Prayer changes nothing. I mean, zero. Prayer is the word prosukoma, P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-O-M-A-I. And prayer is comes from the word pros. I put this on the board so many times. That's our word pro. It means for. If you're pro-life, you're for life. So this means for or toward. And UK means to will or desire toward the will of another. Prayer means to bow to the will of God. What's amazing to me when he tells us, when the apostles say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray prayer for this manner, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom continue to come, because that's the movement of the verb. Thy will be done. You're not permitting God to have his will. You're coming to the place of saying, thy will is being done. And whether you bow to... The only people that are going to pray... I hate to hear somebody say, we're praying for these people on TV that were shot. And it's a mayor. I heard a mayor say that the other day. I thought, you're not praying for nothing. You're not bowing to God's will. If you are, we're going to, you're going to say, we bow to that. It was God's will that these people be shot by this crazy person. And it is the will of God because that was their time to die. Now, people will say, boy, that sounds cruel. Well, God says, the Bible says we have have obtained an inheritance. 
being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counts of his own will. That don't mean all good things. That means all evil things, all good things, all mediocre things. Everything that's going on is all things. And the Bible says about us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks. Do you all do that? Do you, in everything that happens, when you can't find the job you want, when you can't make the money you want, when you uh, don't have enough money to pay the bills, are you thankful for that? When you have a car wreck, are you thankful? If we can come to the place of realizing everything that's going on is the will of God. Our God sits in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he hath pleased. Nobody can thwart the will of God. Remember the words of Nebuchadnezzar after he was struck down on his all fours for seven times, probably seven months. And he said, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Speaking of God, and he doeth according to his will among the, in heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. That word stay means to arrest God's hand when he moves to do something. No one, you, your frustrations, nobody can stop the will of God from being done. It's being done. When we begin to pray, why do you think the apostles asked Jesus? Lord, teach us to pray. They knew how to bow their heads and say, Oh, Lord, give me a new camel, and Lord, let me have a new house that's uh, got 500 square feet instead of this 200 I've got. They didn't have big houses. If They knew how to make up a prayer. They didn't know what real prayer meant. It meant to bow to God's will. The only people in the world that pray are believers. And most of them don't really pray. When you ask somebody to pray, they think, I better make sound good. You don't need to sound good. Sometimes when I start to pray, I halt in my prayers. I suddenly think, God, I'm talking to God, the God of the universe. Does it ever sober you up to realize that? I'm talking to the God of the universe, and I'm not asking him for nothing. You know what my prayers are? When I walk outside, walk around the yard, or I'll be up in my room upstairs, I just sometimes I just pray, Lord, I don't know what I need. You know what I need. I don't even know what to pray for. The Bible says we don't want to pray for as we ought. I don't know what to pray for. Lord, I'm struggling. Uh, we got all these TV stations, and, and we're trying to get on more. And we don't have many people come. That's because I know they don't like the truth. They don't like predestination. I'm just talking to God, talking to him. I don't have any idea where we're supposed to go. I don't have any dreams about building a big congregation. God's not going to have a mega church preaching predestination. God doesn't love everybody. God creates evil. Uh, Christmas is pagan. Easter is pagan. And all of this. And 
and God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born, before they'd done any good or evil. When you preach that, people don't want to hear that. We will never have a large congregation. We've got people around the country and around the world on the Internet, but it's just a few people, one here, one here, one over here. And once in a while, somebody will call me. Had a fellow call me. I think his name was David Moore. Called from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said, I've been looking for you all of my life. He called me about two days ago. He said, I, I just, you can't believe how many people's lives you're blessing. He said, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. I am happier than I've ever been. I'm 68 years old, but my wife don't believe, my kids don't believe, and I've never been this happy. Because I found the truth. When you tell people that God creates all things, including evil. He said, I make peace and create evil. And the excuse that people will use for that, well, well, that was talking about, uh, that means calamity. Well, I guess it does. That's really funny. It's the same word, Ra. It's the same word as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Same word. It's the same word as evil throughout the Old Testament. It's not a different word. Is it calamity when two Arabs crash a plane into the World Trade Center and kills nearly 3,000 people? Is that calamity? Or was it sin that brought it about? Yeah, it was. God created the sin and the evil in their minds so they would do that. So prayer. I'm going to talk about asking. Asking. If you ask God for something, it is the will of God that's involved. Will of God. That's going to be my main topic tonight. But I'm going to go on through this. Predestination is about the will of God. We're predestined to conform to the image of Christ. Image is the word icon, E-I-K-O-N. It means likeness. And Jesus' likeness was he came to do the will of the Father. He said, I came not to do my own will in John six thirty nine, but the will of him that sent me. Everything I'm teaching is about God's will. Everything. Well, what about prophecy? How in the world would God know all these things that are happening and how they align with the Old Testament and come up with the New Testament? And all of the, all of the signs of the end. Is God a fortune teller and was he able to just read the future? Or did he arrange it? He arranged everything that was happening. When you're having a hard time with your health, with your bills, with your car, with your dog. Whatever you have is the will of God. That's the whole thing. It's all the will of God. And we're predestined to be like Jesus. And he said, I came to do the Father's will, not mine. If you ever get to be like Jesus, you'll forget all your troubles. You'll brush them aside and they won't be your troubles anymore. They will be the will of God in your heart and your mind. And obedience, gosh. The Bible speaks about 
go into your concordance, look up the word obedience, obey, and obedient. You know, how many times the Bible talks about us being obedient? I can't even spell what I'm talking. O-B-E-D-I-N-T, O-B-E-D-I-E-N-T. I got a list of some of the things about obeying God. I don't know if I'm going to have time to read them tonight. People don't even... I've been talking about how faith works. This is kind of like the, the, fourth, the third in a series of faith works. Faith is death to self. When you're dying to self, you're saying, Lord, your will is being done. You don't pray for things. You don't pray for health. You don't pray for... If you pray for health and you're charismatic, why don't you get well when you're 85 or 90? Because you've got pulmonary disease or you got cardiac disease and you're going to die of a disease. Everybody, everybody that don't, don't get killed or don't die, everybody's going to die of a disease of some kind if you die of old age. Old age is natural causes. Natural causes is when your pulmonary system gives out, your cardiac system gives out, or some system in your body quits working. That's disease. So disease is God's will. He's, the Bible says, It is appointed unto man once to die. Apokime. A-P-O. K-E-I-M-I. It means to set off a, like a track beforehand. It's already set when you're going to die. If it's set when you're going to die and what you're going to die from can you pray and get out of that? No, you can't. Being, being saved is the will of God. But saved is not something you get, G-I-T. That's something John Wayne does. He gets, now get. That's what he says. Saved is not something you get. It's a program that God says, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is all the will of God. That's all God's will. Everything that's going on is the will of God. What about the guy that prayed for more years and got him? No, he didn't. didn't. No, he didn't pray for more years. Talking about his guy. He went before the Lord and wept and cried. And God says, I'm going to give you more years, but he didn't ask for any. What story was that? Huh? What story? It's about Hezekiah, but we're not going to go there right now. Okay. Jim, read Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. Huh? Read Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. Well, I can't read that whole thing. There's a time for everything. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap. There's a time to do all these things, and God has got that arranged also. Now, there is... But he changed that king's time. Huh? He changed his time. God gave him more time. What she said. But God, if God gave him more time, 
He planned that from the beginning. Nothing has caught God. God God didn't wake up one day and said, what never occurred to me that you were unhealthy? (laughs) Nothing has ever occurred to God. Ever. That was planned too, Mary. You can just say this is the plan of God. When they died twice, Lazarus died once and then he died again. There was a baby that was healed by Elijah and one that was healed by Elisha when they laid down on him and they came to life. That was planned by God. In fact, he said about Lazarus, he told the apostles, I was glad I was not there when he died to the intent that you may believe. I had him die for your benefit. That's what he told the apostles. So he, he makes exceptions. He makes, well, it's not an exception. It's his plan from the beginning. You can't call it an exception. Well, it's not an exception because he planned it. Everything that he does, he plans. You can, you can call it an exception from our viewpoint, but it's the way he wanted it to be. The thing about all of this, I don't try to figure out why God does something. He just does it. That's the, that will give you more peace in your life. As I get older, that gives me more peace than I've ever known. To know everything that's going on. I've had two heart attacks. The last one was a minor heart attack. The first one was 2002, and I had triple bypass surgery. And Mary said that when she got me over here to the hospital, I was laying on a gurney, and they were going to do a arteriogram on me. And she came up to me and said, "Are you are you scared?" And I was laying on that gurney, and she said, "I said to her, this is the will of God," and I believe that. I believe my heart attack was God's will. And then I had this other heart attack recently. It wasn't a major attack, but it was the will of God. It doesn't matter. Anything that happens is God's will. If we can get that through our thick heads. Do I believe Christians believe that? Not quite. (laughs) I believe you have to get old. You have to want to leave this life to believe that fully and I'm right at that point I'm just tired of I'm tired of living I have no dreams of ever becoming a great ministry all I want to do is tape as many of these as I can let's get back to this will of God stuff being obedient I'll read some out of that later God's sovereignty God's sovereignty is his will over everything Sovereign means to be over and above everything, the good, the evil, all of it. Everybody's in a different place here. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. Adoption. Adoption is the will of God. Inheritance is the will of God. You can't inherit anything unless you're a lawful heir. Inheritance. Inheritance is the word clero nomia. We've obtained an inheritance being predestinated. 
Kleros means a portion. And nomos is the word law in the Greek. It comes from kleros and nomos. It means a lawful portion. It's only lawful if you are a son of God. How do you become a son? You have to be adopted. When you're adopted, adoption doesn't... It's the word huiothesia. H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. When a person gets to the orphanage, they don't come in there and let you pick them. You don't get to pick your parents. Any more than when a man and wife gets together and say, let's have a baby, the baby doesn't get to pick them. Adoption, huiothesia, comes from huios, H-U-I-O-S, which is the word sons, and tithame, which means to place sons. Huios, tithame, to place a son in a family, and we're placing the family, that is by the will of God, has nothing to do with your will. You're not born with your will. New birth is by the will of God. We were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God's will. But of God, John 1, 13. Everything that's going on is God's will. And what God is having to do, there's something else that's his will. He's having to, we got an outer man. That was the will of God because he put us in these fleshly bodies that serves the law of the flesh. And it's a sinful nature, sinful nature. And we have an inner man that is Christ within you. That is the seed of God that remains in you. And that inner man can't sin. This outer man can't quit sinning. That's the will of God. God wouldn't have made you this outer man. There's a verse over in Romans 10. And I love this. It's talking about this very thing. That we were made subject unto vanity, but not willingly. It wasn't our will to be put in this flesh in in the excuse me eighth chapter for the creature verse twenty the creature was made subject to vanity that was us but not willingly it wasn't his will to be subject to matiotes uh infutility to wander around something that was worthless transitness We were made subject to vanity, but it wasn't according to our will, but by reason of him, that's God, it was God's reasoning to make you subject to vanity who hath subjected the same in hope. So he's made you and I subject to this outer flesh. That was his will. His will was to put us in this flesh 
to sin so he could redeem us out of it with that inner man and he's going to get rid of this fleshly man over the years not completely you won't quit sinning first john two and eight one and eight if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but the inner man first john three and eight three and nine whosoever is born of god which is the inner man doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin that new birth was the will of god so the inner man is the will of god the outer man is the will of god and it's god's will to put you through fire and tribulation put you through fire and tribulation until he burns out most of that outer man and you'll get to be an old man like me and you don't have the desire to sin like you used to have and when you're young you got all you got a thin veneer that's left and then one day he'll come back and take you out of that old fleshly body and give you a new body and then you'll have the perfect inner man and the perfect outer man that's all the will of god if we can the will of god is not something we understand when you worry about things that's unbelief but when you're young you're going to do that god has got to put you through a lot of fire now if you can get there pretty quick if god will break your neck and make you quadriplegic you'll get mature real fast if you lose all your senses and and you get into a lot of pain so everything is the will of god everything faith is the will of god by grace you save through faith and faith is not of yourself it is the gift of god that he puts in all of his elect that's the that's the will of god everything is his will i can't even go through all of this there's just so much there everything is the will of god when you start doing right it is god that works in you to willing to do of his good pleasure it's god's will for you to change gradually over time in Ephesians, that was in Ephesians 1.11. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. First Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Romans 8 and 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. But only the believers love God. And to them who are the called. That's the church. Ecclesia, the called out. That's a, all things work together for our good. And then in Acts fifteen eighteen, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world, and that's everything. He's declared. He hasn't guessed. He's declared the end. In Isaiah forty six eighteen. He's declared the end from the beginning. And everything that's done and not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I'll do everything I want to do. Our problem is understanding what we're going through, which you don't need to understand it. When something happens you don't understand, just say, this is the will of God. And it all is. You're not going to hear this from any pulpit in America. In... 1 Corinthians 12 and 6, it is the same God who worketh all things and all people. Everything. Uh, 
Let me see here. Let me read a couple of these. He hath put all things under his feet. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And God gave him to be head of all things, of everything. He's above all, through all, and in you all. And in all things, he's going to have preeminence. Preeminence is the word that means first in rank and above everything. There's nothing going on in your life that he doesn't know about and he didn't ordain nothing. That's, that's the great thing about getting old. You come to the place of realizing. I've been talking about prayer and I want to talk about something the charismatics say. They, I saw David Jeremiah on TV one day and I'd like to see what he's going to say. He's one of the most shallow human beings I've ever heard try to preach. He doesn't even try to con people. He just says real dumb, shallow things. And everybody likes him because he's tall and has premature gray hair. And he looks so respectable and so honest. And he's everything but that. He holds hands with the charismatics. He's on all of their TV, he's on Daystar, he's on TBN, and he compromises to hold hands. He's supposed to be, I guess, a Baptist, something like that, but he is a pitiful excuse for a preacher. He was talking about ask. He said, what does ask mean? When the Bible will say, whatsoever you ask in prayer believing, you shall receive First of all, prayer means to bow to the will of God. And so does ask. Ask means to bow to God's will. Not exactly in those words, bow to the will. The only thing you can ask anything for is in the will of God. And you won't even go to asking. See, ask is a legal term. I heard Mr. Jeremiah say, I looked all through my Bible. And I looked all through my library. And he said, I found out what ask means. And he said, Get, you know what ask means? He said, it means to ask. You're an ignoramus, David Jeremiah. You're dumb. I just, I just was appalled at his answer. just means to ask. No, it doesn't. And they use these verses. I want you to go with me some of them. It's, it's appalling. To a man that calls himself a believer. Look over in Matthew twenty one twenty two. These are their favorite verses. Matthew twenty one and twenty two. Ask is the will of God. What you ask, if you're asking for something that's not the will of God, it's not even asking. Because ask is a legal term. It's a legal term. If he, if David, uh, I'm not going to call him brother because I don't know that he's a brother. If David looked in his library all he would have to do was look in his Thayer's lexicon and any number of other lexicons, and he would have found it's a legal term. You have to ask legally. 
Let me give you some things on this. It comes from the word itema, A-I-T-E-M-A. Ask is the word A-I-T-E-O. And it comes from the word A-I-T-E-M-A. Now, there's several words that it comes from. And uh, Philippians 4 and 6, the Bible says, Let your request be made known unto God. The word request is the same word as ask. Request. That don't mean you couldn't request anything you want. And then it also comes from the word Itia, A I T E I A I T I A, A I T I A. Now, I told you it was a legal term. Before I, well, let's read Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two, and then we'll go to some of these other verses. Twenty-one and twenty-two. Now, these are verses that the Charismatics will use. Say, see, if you just say it with your mouth, you get it. All things whatsoever you shall ask in bowing to the will of God. Ask in prayer. Prayer is about the will of God, isn't it? Believing, you shall receive these. All you have to do is say, Lord, give me a Cadillac and give me a new house and give me a new job. I want to make $50 an hour. And that's all you have to do, right? The way the charismatics talk, that's all you have to do. Look here. Go over here to Matthew 19. Back up to Matthew 19. And verse 3. I'm not going to go into the theology of this. I'm just going to tell you. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful to put away his wife for every cause? Is it legally a cause? Itia. It's the same word as cause. What they're saying, is it lawful? Is it a lawful thing I could go in talking about the law call, but I'm not going to. Then, I'm going to give you a couple other words that it's... All right. Look here in... in Mark 15. Mark 15, 26. Ask is a lawful legal term. You have to be asking legally. Now, Mark 15, 26. All right. 15, 26. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. That word accusation is the same word as cause. It means legally they called him the king of the Jews. 
So it's the word cause. Now, look here in John 19 and 4. Here's another word. Why they made these all different words, that's a good question. The translators did this. John 19, 4 through 6. John 19. A lot of times you can't trust the King James Bible. It's the Textus Receptus, the Greek text that we depend on. 19 and 6. 19, 4 and 6. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that we may know that I find no fault in him. Fault is a legal term, isn't it? There's no reason legally to crucify him. That is the same word, itia. It comes from the same word as ask. It's a derivative of ask. Now, Let's read on down through 6. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him and crucify him. For I find no idea, no legal reason, no lawful reason, Pateo, is a lawful term. Ask. You can't just go asking whatever you want. And anytime you find the word cause, there are many places for cause or accusation. It's the word crimes in Acts 25 and verse 27. It's the word crimes. Crime is something that's unlawful. It's the word cause in John in Acts twenty-eight eighteen, it's the word fault in John. I've given you several of those verses. It's the word accusation in Acts 25 and 18. And it is also the word complaint, or itima, A-I-T-I-A-M-A, A-I-T-I-A-M-A. They all come from the same word. Itima. And that is the word complaint. If you have a complaint against somebody, you've got a legal reason to be complaining. Then it is the word ition, A I T I O N, A. Let me move this. A I T I O N. Let me erase this and put it back. A A I T I A I T I O N. All of these are related to the word ask. It's a legal term. You can't just ask God or sit with your mouth and get it. No. Now, it's that word I on. In Luke 23 and 4, I find no fault. It's the word fault. It's just a variation of the word itia. 
It's the word fault in Luke 23:14. It's the word cause in Luke 23:22. I have found no cause of death in this man. He used the word cause rather than fault. No legal reason. And being in Acts 19.40, it's the word cause. And then in Hebrews 5 and 9, he became the author, A-I-T-I-O-S, A-I-T-I-O-S, A-I-T-I-O-S. That's the word. He became the author of eternal salvation. He is the legal reason that we have, that he has ordained us for eternal life. Now, let's go back to this word, I-T-O, which is the word, which is the word that these charismatic use. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, receiving, you shall have. He says those same words in Mark 6.22. Look at Mark 6.22. Mark 6 and 22. 6 and 22. And when the daughter of the said Herodias which was the wife of Herod came in and danced and pleased Herod and then that sat with him the king said unto the damsel ask of me whatsoever thou wilt because it will be legal in the court of Herod and when you ask he said I'll give you what you ask for then if you look at in Mark 11 Look at Mark 11. This is very important. This is one of the, Mark 11, one of the favorite verses of the Charismatics. All right. Mark 11. This is where Jesus curses the fig tree. Now, I don't want to tell the whole story, but I'll tell some of it Jesus was coming to Bethany Bethany means house of figs there was more than one fig tree there there were probably hundreds of fig trees there at the house of figs that's where they grew the figs and they would pick them and sell them in the marketplace and so forth and on the morrow verse 12 when they were come from Bethany he was hungry and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves. Now I've told you this before. If you look under fruit trees, fruit trees in McClinic and Strong, it will tell you that you had, first of all, you had pre-season figs. That's the first thing that came on the fig tree, those domestic fig trees and they're probably not like our fig trees here. They had pre-season figs, then they had leaf season. Uh, 
And then they had the the fig season to come, regular figs. They said the preseason figs were smaller and very sweet. The figs in regular season was like the regular fig. Now, Jesus comes up to it and he saw. He sees that it had leaves. And he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. Since Jesus was God, he knew everything that was going on with the fig tree. And there he came to it, and he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. You have to understand, it does not say time for the figs to be on the tree. If the leaf season was there, it was time for the figs to be on the tree. And Jesus was not stupid, he was God. He knew it was time for figs to be there. And then he says, For the time of figs was not yet. Time of figs does not mean time for the tree to bear figs. Does not not mean that. Time of figs was the fig harvest. That was a term. Time to harvest the figs. And he says, They hadn't been harvested there was leaves on the trees and there was no figs there. So he knew that the tree was barren and he cursed the tree and killed it. Why were they why did the apostles get upset at him? It was against Jewish law to kill fruit trees of any kind. The Jews said that the fig trees was the substance of man's life. All fruit trees were. You could not kill them to use them as a battering ram. Look at that over in Deuteronomy 20. And Jesus knew the law. And this is probably all that Peter and John had in mind when they started arguing with him. I'm still talking about asking. I'm still talking about Iteo. It's in this chapter. All right, Deuteronomy 20. All right. Last two verses, 19 and 20. When thou shalt besiege a city for a long time, talking to Israel, and making war against it to take the city, Thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them. And he's not talking about any tree because the next sentence says I'm talking about fruit trees. For thou mayest eat of them and thou shalt not cut them down. For the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. You can't cut a tree down. Couldn't cut a you couldn't cut a fruit tree down and use it as a battering ram to batter through some enemy uh, fortress. You couldn't do that. Only the trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat. Meat doesn't mean beefsteak. It means for food. Thou shalt destroy and cut them down. Thou shalt build bulk orchards in the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. But you can't cut down fruit trees. 
Now, that is unless. Now, this is evidently what Peter had in mind. You go back to Leviticus, the 19th chapter. Leviticus 19. And when you, verse 23, when you shall come into the land, if you're invading a land, and shall plant all manner of trees for food, then you shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised three years, and you can't eat of it for three years. The fourth year, it belongs to God. And shall it be as uncircumcised unto you, it shall not be eaten of. They would pluck the buds off the tree to cause it to flourish for three years. The fourth year it belonged to God. But in the fourth year, all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. You couldn't eat till the fifth year. Now, go over here to Luke 13. Luke 13. There's a certain man that had a fig tree. Here in verse 6 of Luke 13. He spake unto them this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And the man saying, he, say, he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this, this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that, cut it down in the fifth year, if it's barren. Now, you go back over here. We're still talking about Iteo. Go back to Mark 11. Mark 11. So he curses the fig tree. And says in verse 14, Jesus answered and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Why would Jesus kill the tree? He knew how old it was. He was God. Don't believe that he would break the law of God. He would not. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. He went into the temple to cleanse the temple. I didn't understand this for years. And then I realized he was saying to the apostles, you need to cleanse the temple that you're in and quit thinking the way you think. Because they were thinking of that 20th chapter of Deuteronomy that he killed a fruit tree. They said, what's wrong with you, Jesus? and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called 
of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Now, it's very important for him, for God to put that in there, because they were they were defiling the literal temple of God. Then he turns around and tells the apostles, you need to cleanse your temple, go by what I'm saying, what I'm doing. This is belief in God. It looks like from their viewpoint, just like it looks like from your viewpoint, when you're going through hard times, that this is not the will of God. And it is. Don't sit around thinking your way around God's will. And when even was come... He went out of the city. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots Jesus had cursed. And Peter, calling remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold! It was a loud cry of grief. E day. It was an exclamation. The tree you cursed is dead. Don't you know better than that? Peter always had his foot in his mouth, didn't he? Had his foot in his mouth here. Behold, the fig tree which I cursed is dead. And Jesus answering said to them, I'm God. Have faith in God that I know what I'm doing. And then he says, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, what kind of a mountain did Peter have in him? He had a Babylonian mountain, didn't he? Babylon is called a mountain of pride. God says, I'm going to make you a burnt mountain. And Babylon was founded on self. Or let us make us a name. Or let us make up our own shem. Let us make us a name. Peter's got one of the best. He had one of the best reasons to be saying this. Name is the word Shem. Shem was God's prophet at the time. When they built Babylon, they said, we don't like Shem ruling us. We'll make up our own Shem, our own authority. The word name means authority. We'll make up our own authority. And Jesus said, if you'll say to this mountain, Peter, be thou removed, you'll stop making up your own doctrine you think you've watched me and you know what's going on and you don't. When, when you look at your own life and you think you know what's going on, when you're young, you don't. You barely start getting a hold of it when you get 50 or 60. And when you get in your 70s, you say, this is all the will of God. And then he says, if you say to this mountain, a mountain was the capital city of an empire. Two mountains are battling each other in the Bible. Babylon and Zion. Zion is God's mountain. Zion means sunny. It means full of light. Be thou removed, this is amazing, and be cast into the sea. Every time you see Babylon crashing, going down, it goes into the sea. Over there in the 51st chapter of Jeremiah, Jeremiah has a young prophet. He says, uh, Shimei, he says, you go, to ba you go up to the Euphrates River, take this book of the law, take this book that I've written, 
tie a stone around it and cast it into the Euphrates. Every time Babylon went down, it was cast into the sea. The swine that Jesus had, he, he cast out of the man what was in the man. The man had the desire for self and cast into the swine. He thought he'd keep them around there. He could consult them about his future and they ran down the hill into the sea. Then you look at the 18th chapter of Revelation where Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and Babylon crashes into the sea. It's amazing every time you see Babylon going down, it's into the sea. What Jesus is doing is correcting Peter for arguing with him. What are you doing? And shall not doubt in his heart. I like that word doubt, diacrino, discriminate. Peter, you're discriminating. You think you know what's going on, and you don't. My best definition of diacrino is in that fourth chapter of, of Romans, when Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, when he said you're going to have a son at 100 years old, and Sarah's going to be 90 when he's born. And they didn't. she didn't ovulate, and he didn't have any seed anymore. He said, okay. Stagger is the word diacrino. He believed God. If you don't sit around making up your own doctrine, that's what stagger, that's what doubt. And not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Lego. That's a verb form of logo. When you say something, what do you say? You have to confess Christ and agree with him. Homologeo. H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. You've got to be of the same word, the same logos. You have to be obedient to that. Then he says, Therefore, I said to you, whatsoever things you I tell desire. But that's a conditional word. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have. Them is not in the text. This is not talking about cars and things and money and buildings. Let me give you the meaning of that word, I tell. Everywhere you find it, there in John eleven twenty two, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, John fourteen thirteen, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, believing. John fourteen fourteen, if shall you shall ask anything in my name, ask every time is this word. Look at 1 John. Here's the condition. This is something that Mr. Jeremiah, I hate it, he's got those biblical names, makes him look holy or something. And he's not. He's one of the most shallow preachers to have all the respect that he has that I've ever listened to. He just stays shallow. 
somebody will ask him a word about prophecy, he just goes off on a tangent. Don't listen to him. He looks respectable, and he is respected by everybody at TBN and Daystar Networks and all the charismatics. Look up. He's probably going to be the next superstar of free will. That's all I'd call it. Now look at 1 John 2 and verse 22. Not 2, 22, 3, 22. What did you say? 1 John 3 and verse 22. Now here is the key verse to asking. This is the key verse. This is going to give you the conditions the legal condition of asking. Whatsoever you I tell ask, we receive of him because two things. We keep his commandments this is something those people Charismatics have no idea. If you don't go to the Greek text, you're going to get as lost as a goose on asking. Because asking, I tell, comes from the same word as fault. It's a legal term. I find no legal reason to put Jesus to death. That's what Pilate said. And they said, if you don't put him to death, we're going to tell Caesar on you, and he'll ship you to Alaska. Well, they got some polo bears. So, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This word keep does not mean to do all the commandments of God. His commandments are written on fleshy tables of our heart in the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Also in Hebrews the eighth chapter, and Hebrews the ninth chapter, and Hebrews the tenth chapter. God's written them in our hearts. His love, which is his commandments, has been shed abroad in our hearts in Romans, the fifth chapter. So doing the things that are pleasing in his sight. First of all, let's tackle this word keep. It is the word toreo. Toreo means to guard against loss. They're written in our hearts and we will stand before people and we will say God's word is true. I may not be able to do all of them and I can't but they are true and I'll die for his word. I won't let you change any word. You cannot come up and give me Christmas and free will and all the things you want to. All the things that you can't change prayer into asking God for what you want. You can't even change the word keep. In fact, if you turn over here to John 14, I got a list of these. John 14. 
I got an entire list of these on Toreo. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't say do all the commandments of God because you can't. You will be wrestling with it all your life. This word keep, meaning to guard against loss, it's as though we are standing in front of a big locked safe or a a place where they keep it's like we're standing out in front of Fort Knox and we got a rifle and the commandments are inside the locked up uh, safe and we say no one is going to steal these commandments and take them and change them from what they are we are a guard against people destroying the commandments of God that's what keeping his commandments is it's talking about keeping God's word the way it is and not allowing it to be changed you'll keep my commandments he says in verse 21 says the same thing he that hath my commandments keepeth them he that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself that word keepeth is the word tereo you'll guard him I am a guard on the commandments of God I'm constantly calling down these lying preachers. There is no such thing as accept Christ. Preachers who preach that have changed. They're not guarding the commandments of God. There's no such thing as a sinner's prayer for salvation. We know that God heareth not sinners. If any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Yes, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not the method of salvation. Everybody quotes Romans ten thirteen. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But they don't get to verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? So when they change salvation from 14 to 13, that's wrong. They've changed the law of God. They're not guarding against it. All the false doctrines that I preach on, we're going to be changed at the last trump. When people say, well, there's a pre-trib rapture, you've changed the word of God. There's seven trumpets that sound in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. When the last one sounds, time is no more. There's not a millennium after that. A thousand years would be time, wouldn't it? You've changed that. I don't see how these preachers that preach all this false doctrine are going to heaven. I'm not saying they're not, but it, they'll question what they're doing. He says in verse 24, he that loveth me keepeth my commandments. I have, don't have time to read all these. They're all over the place. But let me read something that's very interesting concerning this. Go to First Peter. Excuse me, Second Peter. I'll get it right in a minute. Second Peter, the second chapter, verse four. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, that's Tartarus, the deepest pits of hell. Fallen angels are not wandering around the earth tempting people. What's tempting people is people. 
and delivered them, them unto the chains of darkness to be reserved tereo unto judgment. That word reserved is the same word as keep. They're reserved in hell. They're watched over. God's got them there. He's got them locked up. And they're not wandering around the earth causing havoc. What's causing havoc is this evil nature of man, the outer man of people that's never been born again. Do you realize how destructive a man is that doesn't have the inner man? He will do anything for money or for things or stuff or whatever he wants. He spared not the angels, but he's got them reserved unto judgment. Now, let's get on to this next word. Hold on a second. Let me get my stuff straightened out here. All right. Now, we're in First Peter... We're in First John three twenty two. This word, well pleasing, is the word arrestos, a r e s t o s. Pleasing, a r e s t o s. How do we please God instead of ourselves? This is the condition of asking. You have to be keeping the word of God, guarding against it being lost. You have to be calling down these lying false teachers and your 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 own guard against people who want to destroy the word of God. Well, this is pretty tough right here. Arrestos. Let me give you a couple other verses on this arrestos. Look at John 8. You have to be pleasing God, making Him happy. Look at John 8, verse 29. Isn't it amazing that John had so much to say about pleasing God? John 8, and verse 29. Eight and twenty-nine. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that arrest oh please him. If you're going to be like Jesus and you're going to get the things that you ask, you gotta be pleasing God. You can't say, God, I want a new Cadillac, I want a better job, I want more money. You do the best you can in life. Leave it up to God what his plans for you are. Be responsible. Be accountable. Because we are predestined to be like Christ. Now look here and let me give you a couple of more of these. It's it's it comes from the word aresko. A-R-E-S-K-O. When the Bible says, look here in Galatians 1. Aresco is a form of, of arresto. Look at Galatians 1. 
Here's the word arrestao. How much time to have, Mike? Look here at, at Galatians 1, verse 10. One let's read a little before that. Look at verse eight. Though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, any other death to self, any other daily cross, any other baptism unto you, that's a perversion. That's people who twist the word of God. They're not keeping his commandments. Preach any of the gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you. Let him be anathema, cursed, cut off from God. As we said before, so say we again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please Aresco? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If you please Aresco men, you can't please men and do right. That's why people want to be popular and please men so they can have good business in real estate, so they can have good business in insurance, so they can have their good business. Any business you're in, you've got to please men. If you're going to be in music business, you've got to make lots of friends higher up so they can help pull you up the ladder and make you famous when you're not called to be famous. You're called to be infamous. Bless you to me when men shall reproach you. Reproach is the word infamous. Aniedzo. O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. When they reproach you, how are you supposed to work a job? It's very hard. Same thing with the family. Yep, same thing with your family. You Christmas dinner, Christmas yeah. party. You can't be popular in the world and get along. And love God and keep His commandments. You're changing the laws of God when you don't keep His commandments. You know, God against laws. That is my full-time job, is keeping His commandments and guarding them against these flying false teachers, Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics. I am sick of them. They're the ones that's destroying the... the they're the ones that's causing the apostasy. It's here. There's no accept Christ, no sinner's prayer, no free will. There's predestination. There's God's election, electing his family to be obedient. We're called to be holy. Now, let me see here. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4. We've got this word pleasing all through here. First Thessalonians two and four. Two four.
But as we were allowed of God to put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing man, Aresco, not as pleasing man, but God which trieth our hearts. So this has to do with our hearts being tried by fire, doesn't it? And look here in verse 15. Verse 15. Speaking of the Pharisees who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they pleased not God and are contrary to all men. And look at 4 and 1. 4 and 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as we have received of us, how that ye ought to walk and to please God. Aresco. So that ye would abound more and more. And look at 2 Timothy 2 and 4. This word pleases all through the scriptures. Arusco. And that's what you have to do. You have to please God in order to get what you ask. But if you have to please God, there has to be death to self, doesn't there? You can't go asking for a new car, a new job, or more money per hour, or better health. You've got to ask, Lord, what would I have me to do? Like Paul did when he was struck down on the road to Damascus. God struck him down. Paul didn't say, who are you? What is going on? What, what, what can I do up at Damascus to make money? He said, what would you have me to do? And then he says here in Second Timothy 2 and 4. 2 and 4. No man that warreth, I've quoted this many times, entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you're going to please God, you can't be entangled with this life. Now let's go to the verse that will nail it down. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12. Romans 12. Verse 1. This nails everything down right here. I heard this quoted by my father and all of his friends when I was young. I didn't know what it meant. Y'all excuse me, I got a thumb back. 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? Death to self. It's a daily cross, isn't it? Death to self. A living sacrifice would be a daily cross. Where are you going to get a cross? By telling people the truth by keeping the commandments of God and not allowing anybody to change them until this 
We started this ministry as a Bible class in my home 30 years ago. And up till then, I had been afraid to blurt out predestination just anywhere at any time. I'm not afraid of that now. I'm not afraid to talk about Christmas. I'm not afraid to talk about daily cross, death to self, self-denial. And I don't hear any preachers hardly ever. They don't have to say there's no such thing as a daily cross. All they have to do is not ever mention it, and they're denying it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by God's mercies, that you give your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That word acceptable is the word you arrest E-U-A-R-E-S-T-O-S. E-U-A-R-E-S-T-O-S. E-U-A-U. E-U-A-R-E-S-T-O-S. It means well, pleasing. What really pleases God is death to the flesh. We're not going to get along with the world. That's never going to happen. You got this word, you arrest a oh. And when he says, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says in verse 2, in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. You're not supposed to be suskimatizo, disguised with other Christians. Suskimatizo. But be transformed by the renewing, by the renewing, Anakinos, A-N-A-K-A-I-N-O-S-I-S, A-N-A. Anakinosis. It means a rejuvenating. When you, it's to renovate your mind, clear out all the cobwebs, all the, other false doctrine and keep God's commandments you're not going to be able to do them all but you can keep them by fighting for them I'm going to fight for the truth as long as I live and I don't care if somebody comes and shoots me nothing is going to stop me from taking a stand from now on and I didn't feel that way before this ministry started all this started because I was real sick in the hospital at 45 years old. And when I'm 44, and when I got out, I said, Lord, from now on, it's me and you against the world. I'm going to tell all the truth all the time to everybody I can. I preach to so many people in this town. I don't have any idea how many DVDs, and I'm not saying this in a boast, it depresses me. I've given away DVDs. I've given away cassettes. I've given away VCR tapes, carried them with me, and just given to people all over the place. I've never had one person call me back, ever.
And I've given away thousands of them. One-on-one, just me. Sometimes I just think, what's the use? People just don't care. And they don't care about the truth. When I talk to somebody, like I talked to this guy out in Tulsa yesterday, I said they don't care about the truth. He said they do not care. They got their life, they got their car, they got their house, they got their wife and kids, and they're making their payments, and that's all the truth they want. Wait till this thing collapses. If you back up, when he says, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, the word reasonable is logikos, L-O-G-I-K-O-S. It's our word logical. It's logical, and it comes the word logos, and logos is the Greek word word. It's God's word service. It's the only reasonable thing we can do. It's reasonable since he's saving us. That we keep. You know how important that word keep is? I'm keeping the word of God. I'm keeping the commandments every day. I'm calling down everybody that's lying about what God said. He didn't say what people are saying he said. And there's so many mistakes in the King James Bible. It is not the King James Bible that's the inspired word of God. It's certainly not an NIV and it's not a it's not any of these. The inspired word of God is the Textus Receptus. Here it is. This is as close as you can get to the original word. There's a lot of errors because the Bible was translated, half of the translators were Roman Catholics. And they had a lot of compromising. They were threatening each other in that room. And the only thing I believe in is this top line, which is the Greek text. Even the English text under it, that's the, that's the opinion of the men who came up with the interlinear. I look at the Greek words. Mary asked me a question the other night. And I did the thing that I tell people not to do. I looked at the English words and last night I was laying in bed I got to thinking I can't why am I compromising myself and she asked me over in Revelation the 5th chapter the verse 3 and when I went to the Greek Five verse three, no man in heaven is talking about who's worthy to open the book. It says no man in heaven, nor in the earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book. And they just looked thereon. I went upstairs. I got out of bed and went upstairs and looked in my. Looked in my. I've got a complete biblical library which is a set of books that's got every word parsed in the Greek and I looked at earth and earth doesn't mean the globe that we sit on it's feminine gender Mm. it's the word gay gay 
feminine. No man under, no man that is in the church is worthy to open the book. Or no man that is in Babylon is worthy to open the book. No human being. We're either, Babylon is the mother of all idolatry, and Jerusalem is the mother of us all. So no one in the world is capable of opening the book. Now those, remember earth, earth was the ruled. Heavens was the ruling class. You got to stick with that when you go back to Revelation. What does that mean? I don't understand. It means nobody could... It's talking about verse 11 of chapter 4. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive power and honor and power and created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel containing, proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book. Nobody in the earth, nobody that's being ruled by the earth not the heavens. Heavens is masculine gender. Nor in the earth, nor under the earth, even the, the small people in the church are ruling some people. What this is doing, exhausting everybody in creation. What does under the earth mean? Under the earth means anybody who's being ruled by the earth. The earth is her. It's the church. Under one nation. Huh? Like under one nation. I mean under means like under. No, you're you're off base. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's feminine gender, it's people. What are the only feminine gender people? Either Babylon or Jerusalem. That's all the feminine gender there is. That's everybody in the world. It has nothing to do with the globe we sit on. Verse 13. Mary, I'm not going to go into that right now. I just brought that out as an illustration. Now, I've got more on this Euaresto. Euaresto. You'll find that in Hebrews 11 and 5. His testimony pleased God. In Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without death to self, it's impossible to you arrest to oh God. You realize how important the word please is? Without keeping the commandments of God, and keeping the commandments of God is pleasing God. Because what we're doing, we're calling down everyone who's changed the word of God. That's what keep means. And acceptable is the word please. In Ephesians 5 and 10, that we may prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. Philippians 4.18, well pleasing to God. Colossians 3.20, for this is well-pleasing, you arrest I owe. What's pleasing to God is death to the flesh. It's, it's not allowing anyone to change God's Word. 
And then that would take us into all these false doctrine verses. You get what you ask only when you're unwilling for anybody to change the word ask. They can't change the word predestinate into free will. They can't change Christmas into Jesus' birthday. They can't change God's word into anything other than what it is. That's keeping his commandments and do the things that's pleasing in his sight. Taking your body and giving a living sacrifice. I know that you can't do that when you're younger. The time will come if you live long enough the more of the flesh you'll give up. I'm here as a living testimony to tell you that. Because I was unwilling to say these things with this heart of a message until I was struck down by God. I was struck down just like Paul was. I was struck down in a hospital. I believed I was dying. That's when I said, okay, God, it's me and you. Let's do what we can. And the longer I've been in this ministry... I realize there's so few people that want this. The people that want it call me and say, I'm out here in California, I'm down here in Texas, I'm down here in Louisiana, and people just don't want this. I said, yes, I know. They don't want it here either. Well, if I move there, will that help? I said, not as far as talking to people. They ain't going to want it. The majority of the world does not want the truth of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Help us, Lord. Help us to keep going. If it's according to your mercy and your will, give us strength. I struggle with my health, Lord. Help me. Help me to know what to do. I don't know exactly what to do. Fight every battle we have. We don't. I don't feel like fighting nobody, Lord. We'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Under the earth would be under the people that are that are that would be the lowest people that are under everybody else, because earth was a term for the ruled. Those that are on the bottom of the ladder. Nobody's worthy to open this book of seals except Jesus. Hey, Brother Dave, what you doing? Probably see you tomorrow over at the house. Okay. I got to go over there and send out programs to Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Oh. You knew we were on in Minneapolis, right? Are we on in Minneapolis yeah. still? Yep. Minneapolis or is it Rochester? No, Minneapolis. We are. I didn't know we were on there. Yeah, two days a week. When when did we go on there? Um, within the last few months. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. You probably told me, and I've missed it or forgot yeah. it. I'll see you tomorrow. It looks like okay. the kids are coming up for gum. <laughs> <laughs> you want some gum? You want gum? You want more gum?
after the Phillies were losing every game this year. Yeah. Oh, well, they were playing the Braves the other day. They were down like three now. Yeah. They ended up losing.